Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hello and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly here welcoming you on board for the final post-race edition of Scuderia F1 for another year. Kevin is off tonight, he's under the weather and we wish him well and hope that he's back again with us very soon. And guys, that's it. After 21 Grand Prix and untold hours put into it on and off the track, the season is finally a wrap. I'm, I must admit, I'm already going through withdrawal symptoms, but I guess we all are. And in truthfulness, even though it seems like a long time away, March usually comes really, really quickly. So before we know it, we will be talking about winter testing. And once winter testing is out of the way, then it's only a very short period before the season gets going again. Hard to believe, though, eh? I, I just... Uh, I think I say it each and every year when it uh, when it all wraps up, but it was well and truly over a couple of weeks ago, of course. There was nothing really to race for in Abu Dhabi other than maybe pride and, uh, well, there was uh, some other positions in lower down in the Drivers' Championship and the Constructors that were still important for those drivers and teams, but at the top, it had all been decided a couple of weeks earlier for Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. Lewis winning, of course, his fifth World Championship and Mercedes wrapping up a fifth consecutive constructors title so that was uh basically it in a nutshell but history i think uh as time goes on may not really reflect how interesting this season was and how close it was at least i would say halfway up until the year but the real turning point of course i think we can go back and look at it now and germany i think was the real turning point in the year sebastian vettel of course he had some moments earlier on at azerbaijan and france for example where he gave away some points and made some mistakes obviously that first lap incident with valtteri botas at the french grand prix at paul ricard put them both at the back of the grid and seb having to that uh, that that five second time penalty really impacted things, but I think just mentally, the mistake that he made at Hockenheim at the German Grand Prix right before the summer break at the end of July was the real turning point because he was leading that race he was out by a mile and then the the rain started to come down on different parts of the track and then he parked it in the gravel in the stadium section and that was just a, a demoralizing and honestly i think it was a, a really big blow and then if, uh, at hungary he was stuck behind valtteri bodas until it was way too late in the race to really catch lewis hamilton and from there it just kind of got worse and worse and worse incrementally race after race starting at monza although belgium was pretty 
pretty good. That was a, a race where I think most people thought, well, if there's any fight left in Ferrari, if there's anything left in Sebastian Vettel, maybe this is where he gets it back on tra- track. But it was just a little bit of a flash in the pan. And the second half of the season really was all about Mercedes and all about Lewis Hamilton. And well, <laughs> you can't argue with uh, with the way that it turned out. I mean, it's, it's all done and written and set in stone now. And Lewis setting a new record for points uh, this year. It's uh, absolutely amazing when you think about uh, how many points he scored. 408 compared to Vettel's 320 and the last several races of the year after Lewis clinched the the championship, Vettel really was, uh, well, he was even further off the pace uh, than, than, than before, even though he didn't finish too far behind at Abu Dhabi this past weekend, only 2.5 seconds behind Lewis Hamilton, but that was about as close as he got, and the two of them never really did get a chance to race uh, wheel-to-wheel, which I think we've all been wanting to see for a very, very long time. But it's just really interesting uh, just to, to hear some of the things about uh, Sebastian Vettel and some of the words out of his own mouth. But it, I, I think it's just some of the actions that uh, that this season uh, really sort of, exp- well, I don't say explain, but it's just uh, an interesting kind of tell on the way that um, things that are going through uh, Vettel's mind. And I think that uh, by the time Hamilton had clinched the championship back in Mexico, he really was a defeated man. And I mean, I'm all for good sportsmanship and I- I'm glad to see Sebastian Vettel being a good sport about the whole thing, but it's interesting to see him swapping helmets with uh, Lewis Hamilton at the end of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And I don't know if anybody else noticed it, uh, but uh, Lewis had a gold uh, motif on his helmet compared to Sebastian's silver on his helmet. So that I thought was, uh, I don't know if that was done on purpose, probably not, but uh, considering though the, they were the first two in the world championship this year was uh, kind of a funny little thing, but well, where do you go from here? If you're Sebastian Vettel, are, are a couple of months going to be enough to really get your head back in order after what was a, a very demoralizing season? And I know that, uh, that, that at times Ferrari didn't really help him out, but, uh, there, there were quite a few races that, uh, that, that things did go right for, for them. And there was the, the odd time where he had, uh, an accident that wasn't really his fault. So that, well, China, when, when Max Verstappen slid into him at the hairpin, uh, just a couple of corners before the end of the, uh, the, the track, before the pits and the, the start finish straight. Of course, Max was penalized for that and what was a, a very difficult beginning of a season for Verstappen. But still, Vettel really looked like he was uh, on, on par or on track to, to really do something this year. Obviously, the, the, the Ferrari SF71H was a very competitive and quick car and uh, it was quicker out of the gate compared to the, the, the Mercedes W09. But uh, as the season went on, Mercedes really did find more and got more out of that car later in the year. And they really were able to pull it together and and help Hamilton really catch up to Vettel and then pass him in the championship and then extend that lead to the point uh, several races from the end that barring some, well, basically it would have been... uh, a run of luck of almost epic or bad luck, I should say, of epic proportions that would have uh, turned that one around in favor of uh, Sebastian Vettel. Apart from, uh, what was it, uh, Austria this year with a double DNF for the Mercedes boys, which was the first time that uh, mechanical failure had knocked uh, a pair of Mercedes cars out since, what was it, 1955 or 56? So a hell of a long time ago. <laughs> but it, uh, it it just was never really on. And uh, all credit to Hamilton 
Hamilton, and we talked about it a long time ago on this podcast, probably a long time even before the summer break when when some of these um, incidents involving Sebastian Vettel, some of his own doing some not and, uh, and all the different things that were going on. And we're just saying that even at that time, that uh, Formula One, of course, is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And uh, just these uh, these things that Vettel, these moments that he found himself uh, wrapped up in, were going to cost him over the, the long run of the season. Whereas Hamilton, not only is he fast, but he's consistent and cool under pressure. To me, and I, I think that's it's obvious to say it now, of course, but those are the, the things that are going to help you win a Formula One World Championship, especially if you have a very fast and com- competitive car like Hamilton did. And of course, uh, that's exactly how it played out in the long run. So it's it's interesting now to see how they both go away from the season in completely different frames of mind. And Toto Wolff, the team principal at Mercedes, said as a brand new ha- Hamilton that ended 2018, winning the, the the last couple of races of the season and doing so in in very dominant style. So it's it's not out of the out of the the, the reach that Hamilton could break all the remaining records that are uh, owned now by Michael Schumacher. Of course, he's got to win two more uh, world championships to equal Schumacher, who of course has seven. Hamilton is on his fifth, but let's face it, he still has a couple of years left in Formula One on the current deal that he has. And and Hamilton's even said that if the 2021 cars look in or end up looking in reality like they do in concept and they they get this new um, this new era of Formula One right, that he may not walk away from the sport in a couple of years. And if that's the case, who knows, maybe he could equal and better a lot of these uh, records that are held by Schumacher. But there's a long way to go. And, and obviously, why would you bet against him? Why would you say now or think think now that Hamilton's not going to win next year and uh, Mercedes is not going to win a six consecutive world championship. If they keep doing what they've been doing for the past several years, I'm not going to bet against them. Certainly not. Would I like to see a change? Absolutely. Uh, at, at this point, I don't really care who would come from, to be quite honest. I, I'd like to see uh, Verstappen uh, do well. He's uh, obviously got the talent. He's got the speed. And kudos to him for turning his season around. I mean, up until Monaco, it just was not going good for Max. I mean, he uh, he crashed in in Austria, or sorry, Australia. He didn't have a good race in uh, in Monaco or in the qualifying. He crashed in FP3, put it into the Armco barriers, and there's a whole bunch of things in between that uh, you could just tell that his head wasn't in the right space but when they went to Montreal he went by himself his dad Joss also a Formula One driver in in an era gone by uh, didn't go with him to that race either and that was the turning point in Max's season and uh, he did very well of course uh, winning a couple of races later in the year and uh, finishing fourth in the world championship only two points behind Kimi Raikkonen. Max had 249 points. Kimi was third in the world championship with 251. Uh, Albeit that's uh, still uh, well, but about 60 points behind his teammate, uh, Sebastian Vettel, but still a, a decent season for Max Verstappen after recovering after a very sluggish start. And that's quite a different to say some of the other guys. Uh, Valtteri Botas is another guy that uh, he's told uh, Total Wolf that he needs some time to, to basically hide out at, uh, at his home in Finland over the winter to recover from this season. And 
well, obviously a very, very disappointing 2018 for Valtteri Bottas. He's obviously had some wins for Mercedes over the past couple of years, and it looked like he was going to be on for maybe one or two races this year, and then he uh, retired mechanically after his, uh, what was it, water pump now? what I can't exactly remember the issue that forced him out in Austria, but that's a track that he's gone very well on over the past couple of years. And then in Russia later in the year, he had to pull over and make room for Lewis Hamilton, uh, the the championship leader at that point, to really help uh, solidify and extend his lead in the championship over Sebastian Vettel. And it just uh, didn't really look like it was going to be Botas's year. And uh, of course, uh, it's okay for for a total wolf to say that uh, he's concerned that um, mentally he hopes that uh, Botas doesn't get too down after the year that he had, where he didn't win a single race. But still, that uh, that remark that uh, Wolf made in Hungary a couple of months back in the middle of the summer, intended or not, uh, about uh, Botas being the ideal wingman to Lewis Hamilton. That still sits with me, and <laughs> that was a comment that obviously was directed at Valtteri Botas and, and, and not myself, obviously, but still, it, uh, the, regardless if he didn't mean to say it, it, it still came out, and whether or not that's an indication of what, uh, what he was thinking or, or, or not, I mean, that's open to interpretation and speculation, but uh, if, uh, if it's sticking for me, I can't help but wonder whether or not a kernel of that uh, that comment, a little a little crumb of it somewhere got tucked away and has been nine at the back of uh, Valtteri Bottas's mind over the past uh, several months. So he really needs to to, to buckle down and focus and come back uh, strong for next year. But you got to think it's got to be tough being a teammate to, to, to Lewis. I mean, he's obviously the number one guy, and well, why wouldn't he be? I mean, he's obviously a, a very, very good team player. He's obviously the best driver in this current uh, generation of Formula One. He's quick. I mean, he's he's done it all. I mean, obviously, he's the number one guy, and he's going to get that number one preference, and that casts a very, very big shadow for Valtteri Bottas or anyone else. And, uh, well, obviously, he has a much better uh, relationship with Lewis than uh, Nico Rosberg did in the couple of years that, uh, that he was uh, partnered up with Lewis Hamilton. I think Toxic is probably... Almost an understatement of the uh, the time that Lewis and Nico Rosberg shared together during their Mercedes years, and uh, obviously he gets on a lot better, Lewis that is, with Valtteri Bottas. But Bottas has to be feeling very disappointed and uh, and frustrated at what it had turned out to be for him personally a very anticlimactic year. Course. We could even go back as uh, far back as the Azerbaijan Grand Prix when uh, he was late, uh, leading and then picked up a puncture late in the uh, race after uh, running over a bit of debris on the track. So a tough, tough season for him. And it's kind of interesting, too, when you kind of look around at uh, some of the the, the different uh, things that have been going on in the years that they had. Another guy that uh, I think obviously finished the year very good. Uh, was was Kimi Raikkonen winning at the the U.S. Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago at the Circuit of Americas in uh, Austin, Texas, and uh, Kimi, obviously one of the most popular guys in the paddock and has been for a very long time, has now finished his career at Ferrari, and it was a little bit weird to see him testing for Sauber in the postseason test at uh, at the Yas Marina Circuit. They did a couple of days testing there, and the guy that took his car over, Charles Leclerc, ended up the the fastest guy in the uh, the, the third and final day of testing. I think uh, Sebastian Vettel topped the charts uh, of lap times there for a while as well, at least on the first day. 
But uh, interesting to see uh, already things have uh, changed around and uh, guys are with their new teams. And Carlos Sainz as well has uh, said uh, adieu to uh, Renault and has already put some laps in uh, in the MCL 33, the McLaren's car from this year and was getting used to it and the systems and the way that the car works. And uh, he seems uh, very excited to, to be there and has a long winter ahead getting to learn the team, the the way the, you know, the car works and uh, just basically getting used to, to new environs, but it really did almost feel like a bit of an end of an era on Sunday after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Of course, after the race is over, uh, these guys get to blow off a little bit of steam or maybe blow off a little bit of smoke with all the donuts that they do. But uh, it was kind of a cool moment to, to see, uh, first of all, Lewis Hamilton uh, come across the finish line after uh, doing his cool down lap, followed by Fernando and then Sebastian Vettel, and then all three of them doing donuts together. I thought it was kind of funny on the Sky Sports uh, feed, which we get here in Canada. I think Martin Brundle made uh, something to, to the effect of uh, how the, the tire suppliers hate it when the drivers do the uh, do the donuts. And um, David Croft, the commentator, said, well, the fans love it, and that's uh, really the most uh, important thing. And uh, well, he's right. <laughs> it was pretty cool to see. And it was kind of interesting, too, uh, just uh, Fernando's comments uh, just uh, immediately after the race, just talking to David Coulthard, who uh, who was doing the, the post-race interviews on the uh, on the track there. And it was kind of funny. And uh, just uh, Fernando made something, a, a bit of a snide comment uh, or uh, maybe a little facetious when he said that uh, when he's going to go away from the sport now and uh, is not going to come back commentating like a lot of former Formula One drivers do. Uh, obviously, Martin Brundle is one. David Coulthard is another. So Fernando still obviously has his eyes sets on, uh, set on other things, the Triple Crown of course, which he has another shot at uh, when he goes to the Indy 500 in May next year. And uh, he's already, of course, won uh, Le Mans. He's already won Monaco. So he's going to have a, have a crack at that. But uh, obviously, it, it's, it was interesting to see once it was all over and done with that there's going to be so many different guys in and out of Formula One for, for next year. And uh, of course, finally, it was made known that Brendan Hartley won't be coming back to Toro Rosso. I mean, that's kind of been expected ever since uh, they made a move for, or made an approach to McLaren back, I would say, in May of this year, around that time anyways when they uh, approached them about uh, signing uh, signing Lando Norris he was a McLaren uh, driver on loan for basically a season and a half so the 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 second half of this year and then basically all of 2019, uh, McLaren flatly said no. Norris eventually did get uh, one of the two seats at, uh, at McLaren for next year and will partner uh, Carlos Sainz. But just all, all over it, there's uh, so many changes. Uh, Toro Rosso is uh, going to have a complete different lineup because Pierre Gasly has moved up to the Red Bull senior team to partner Max Verstappen. So it will be um, Fernando Alonso and Alexander Albon, to, uh, who are going to be the, the Toro Rosso drivers. You're going to have... Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi and uh, Kimi Raikkonen at Sauber. Oh gosh, uh, what are some of the other changes? Uh, well, you're going to have at uh, Renault, you're going to have Danny Ricardo and uh, Nico Hulkenberg. Force India is going to be um, it's going to be Sergio Perez and maybe Lance Stroll, which uh, they haven't officially announced, but that seems to be the worst kept secret in Formula One. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny that after it's kind of dragged on for so long that there hasn't been any official 
announcement. And then uh, Williams will have like a pair of new drivers uh, uh, next year, of course. And they will have George Russell and uh, Robert Kubica. Uh, Ferrari, of course, Charles Leclerc and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, Sebastian Vettel. Mercedes stays the same. It, it'll just be really interesting uh, to see. And of course, um, the, the Haas boys will be the, the, the same pair for next year, Roman Grosjean and, uh, and Kevin Magnussen. So, but it did feel like an end of an era because you just knew that all these guys are coming in, they're going out. You have the high profile retirement, which I think is an interesting way that they keep uh, sort of uh, mentioning that word around Fernando. And I think that they, maybe it's just a bit of a mouthful. Maybe I'm just being picky and splitting hairs here, but Fernando's not retiring. He's just left Formula One. So I guess you could say he's retired from Formula One, but he's not obviously retired from from motorsport. He's not uh, retired from racing because he will be, uh, racing at the 24 hours of, uh, uh of Daytona next year. He's going to be uh, driving in endurance cars as well. And, uh, Fernando, he still loves to race. It's uh, going to be strange not to see him in formula one after 17 seasons and, and two world championships. And, well, we don't really need to get into that discussion again about uh, the the moves that he made during his career and the bridges that he burned and maybe the opportunities to win more than two world championships that he never really got to seriously fulfill or pr- pursue in a con- uh, con- con- <laughs> It's been a long season for me too, guys. I apologize. But I was going to say that he wasn't able to pursue because he hasn't had a competitive car at the right time ever since. So there are a lot of what ifs around Fernando and even uh, Max Verstappen said this past weekend that he uh, regrets that he, he hasn't had the opportunity to race against Fernando and uh, at the same time that uh, both of them had um, had competitive cars and obviously it's been quite some time since Fernando did but he still had his moments uh, he was able to to get something out of that McLaren from time to time no, <laughs> not a lot and and there weren't a lot of points to be had there and uh, but you you got to give him credit i mean he was still able to to uh, to get points for them i mean they did end up finishing six in the world championship uh, this year with 62 points but they were a long way behind the Haas team they, they who had 93 still not really a, a huge uh, haul of points but it was a, an improvement uh, for mclaren at least going vertically up the table rather than being mired at uh, at the at the bottom but before I sort of finish off the, the the rest of the news and maybe just talk briefly about uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix last weekend, like maybe a couple more of the talking points, maybe we should just uh, talk, uh, just maybe hand out some letter grades to some of the teams here for, for this year. We can maybe do the same thing next time uh, about uh, some of the drivers. Mercedes winning the constructors uh, with 655 points, 571 Ferrari in second place. Uh, Red Bull way back with 419 points. Renault in fourth uh, with 122 points for the best of the rest of the rest. Because uh, it was always Red Bull that were the best of the rest. <laughs> McLaren in sixth with 62. Force India or Racing Point Force India. Mercedes 52 points. Sauber 48 points. Toro Rosso Honda 33 points. And then Williams Mercedes 7 points. So should we go top to bottom or bottom to top? Let's go bottom to top because it gets a little bit easier going from the you know, starting there at least. Williams, got to give him an F. 
And uh, anybody who lives in uh, North America is uh, used to our grading systems uh, here. Although I found out that the, in uh, in our school district here, uh, where my kids go to school, that they're they're not using letter grades anymore, which is also like one of those ridiculous things where you hear that they're not keeping score in little league games because it's bad for the kids' development. But maybe that's just my over competitive nature. <laughs> but say. I, I was a competitive. I got grades in school and they kept count when I played Little League and I turned out okay. Or at least that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Anyways, an F for Mercedes, obviously as low as you can go. The car was terrible. They didn't develop it well over the years. Their drivers obviously did not do very well. Uh, both of them young, so maybe you can uh, cut them a little bit of slack. Lance Stroll and, and Sergey Sorokin, that is. But it's a team that's literally fell, fallen off the precipice uh, in terms of uh, performance and respectability in the past couple of years. And they have a, a tough road to hoe in front of them. Uh, Toro Rosso, I'm going to give them a... I think I'll give them a C minus bordering on a D because they had some, they, they showed promise earlier in the year. And then to finish second from bottom in the constructors is, is disappointing. Um, Gasly had uh, some good races earlier in the year. They showed some, uh, they, they showed promise, I thought. And, uh, that was just obviously maybe they, I wouldn't say fooled us, but they obviously uh, were outperforming uh, the uh, what, what the car was capable of. Even though uh, Honda said a, a lot of good things that uh, that uh, Hartley, for example, has helped them really develop the engine over the course of the year, and uh, what with them supplying the Honda, uh, sorry, supplying Honda engines to the Red Bull senior team next year, is um, it's, it's a big big thing. And Sauber Ferrari, I'm going to give Sauber, I'm going to give them a B because they've been really stuck at the back of the the grid a couple of. Uh, for the past several years and uh, to move up to, to eighth with 48 points, I think is good. I mean, you look at Charles Leclerc, obviously a very talented young guy. There's a, a reason why he's uh, no longer with Sauber, but now going to be racing for Ferrari next year. I mean, he had that car in Q3 uh, in qualifying quite a few times uh, this uh, this year. And uh, he had a, a fairly decent race at Abu Dhabi, although I thought the the, the team let him down with his uh, pit stop strategy. Worked out okay for Lewis Hamilton in his first stop, but uh, for Leclerc, just did not really uh, work out as intended. And he ended up way far down in the field, way too early uh, in the race. But uh, he did recover well and did uh, score six points finishing seventh by the time it was all said and done. Carlos Sainz pipped him. Uh, well, <laughs> actually it wasn't. He was 22 seconds uh, ahead of him on the track for sixth place to, um, well, basically uh, lead home the, the rest of the field because, of course, the first six spots were all occupied by Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull racing cars, as you might expect. And then you have uh, Force India Mercedes. Again, I'm going to give them a B. Well, Racing Point, Force India, I'm going to give a B. Force India, Sahara, I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them an F. Well, they just did not have the funds. And they're a small team that actually do pretty big things on a, on a very small budget, or at least they have over the past uh, several years. But uh, this year they were pretty much kind of strapped for cash. They weren't getting paid. Uh, Mercedes, the engine supplier, was owed hundreds of thousands of pounds, if I remember correctly. And then uh, Sergio Perez basically sued his own team for non-payment of wages and uh, forced them into administration, which was kind of a a strategic thing because a a lot of the staff weren't getting paid. Obviously, they weren't putting any money into developing uh, the the car for this year. And God knows only how much money uh, and time and people and resources they 
are putting in to develop the car for next year because obviously that starts happening while the current Formula One campaign is underway rather than just over the short winter months. But uh, they really turned it around once uh, Lawrence Stroll came in and, and helped bring that um, team out of uh, administration with the, uh, the the cash that he brought along with uh, that consortium of, uh, of uh, business partners and uh, fellow uh, investors really did make a, a big difference. And uh, both uh, Esteban Ocon and uh, Sergio Perez were much more competitive. The car was much, much better after coming back from, from the summer break. So I thought they did uh, very well. And then uh, sixth place, McLaren Renault. Gosh, you know, that that's a tough one. Uh, it, it's easy to kind of continue to look down our nose and, and, and cluck our tongues and, and just just reiterate how disappointing we are or disappointed we are with uh, with McLaren but they made progress this year it may not have been a lot but um i think what this season really highlighted more than anything was that over the past couple of years they were complaining about the lack of power by the Honda engines and the lack of reliability and you would expect them to do so and they had every right to do so and uh, this time last year, they uh, decided to to break. They had a, a clause in their contract that would let them uh, break the the deal that they had to what was it twenty twenty four or something like that. Well, was well uh, going on for uh, several more years at least. But I think it cost them somewhere in the the, the neighborhood of a hundred million to to break that deal, which is obviously a lot of money that they could have put somewhere else. And Honda was able to stick in Formula One by a bit of a complicated maneuver to get the Renault engines to a McLaren, the Honda engines to Toro Rosso, and you know, kind of hope it's going to work out uh, for everyone, especially if you're a Red Bull and you're getting those Honda engines this year, or sorry, for, for next year after finish, finishing this year, very, and uh, what um, Danny Ricardo said was strangely competitive, but it was uh, it was good to see him. It was fantastic to watch how the high altitude of Mexico City was really a leveling factor for um for all the cars of course the the rarefied and thinner atmosphere uh at uh, at the elevation of uh, Mexico City really kind of levels the playing field in terms of uh performance and and Max Verstappen there was there was no doubt in my mind uh, watching that race that barring a uh, a mechanical failure or something unfortunate like a, a tire puncture was really going to prevent Max from from winning that race so the <laughs> interesting, uh, interesting to watch. But just going back to to, to McLaren, obviously now with the Renault engines, uh, a little bit more power. They were uh, finishing at uh, several places higher in the constructors' championship compared to the Toro Rosso Hondas. But still, it was maybe not disappointing, but underwhelming. I think that the car, the MCL 33 just was not as good as they'd at least led us to believe the past couple of years, because over that stretch of time, obviously every time something went wrong, it was easy to point fingers and blame Honda because quite often it was the power units. But the thing was that every time they were having those issues with the engines, they kept pointing fingers and saying, well, you know, we've developed a, a good car. Our chassis is one of the best on the grid. And well, they were still quite a ways behind the works Renault team who uh, had 122 points. So they basically had twice the amount of points that uh, McLaren Renault did. And uh, you had Haas Ferrari that were sandwiched uh, in the middle. And, and Haas, that's another interesting one. 
And I'm going to go, I'm going to give them a C plus. Have to remember that this is still a fairly young team. The Haas has only been in Formula One for the past uh, several seasons. And uh, I think sadly that uh, this year people might be rem- uh, be reminded of maybe some of the silly things and some of the incidents that uh, Romain Grosjean got involved with. Of course, Rogro spinning on the first lap at, uh, at Barcelona, and then uh, previous to that, he put it in the wall uh, under a safety car at uh, Azerbaijan, <laughs> which was just uh, obviously a, a not a good look. And uh, Kevin Magnussen has uh, drawn the criticism and ire of uh, his uh, fellow drivers on the grid for some of the things that uh, that he's done, sort of been uh, labeled as a guy that has a bit of a death wish uh, and uh, has got a bit of a bad reputation. But, I mean, a decent year. I mean, we, we shouldn't take that uh, away from them. They were not close to catching uh, Rano, who finished uh, in fourth with 122 points in the Constructors' Championship. But these teams, four through ten, just really miles away from uh, contention in the uh, in, in the Constructors' Championship. And that this was a, a topic that was brought up uh, this week by uh, Ross Braun from Formula One. Ross obviously was uh, instrumental in uh, the, the successful Ferrari years with Michael Schumacher. And uh, the resume that he has, not only in Formula One, but in motorsport, is uh, extremely uh, interesting, or sorry, extremely impressive. So it's interesting when you get a guy like Bross Braun expressing uh, his uh, concern uh, about the gap and the lack of podiums for the other midfield teams. People are going to sit up and and take notice, uh, especially when he says uh, something uh, about that. The, the, the Renault Works team, yeah, I give them maybe a C plus. They've... Um, they're sort of, I think, what now, four years? Because they, uh, they they took over that one year. It was basically a rebadged uh, Lotus before they uh, started developing their own cars. They had this sort of mid to long term project to, um, to to bring the team back to the top of the grid and make them uh, legitimate uh, contenders for uh, for the world championship. And and this, I'd say, this year. They, they progressed well, I think. I, I don't want to completely be uh, too overly critical. I mean, they have progressed well over the past couple of seasons, but this year it seemed like that developmental curve, that uh, you know exponential curve of them really shooting up th- through the ranks, it kind of flattened out this year. And uh, they didn't really, in my mind, I don't think that they really made a big leap forward as uh, maybe uh, more people uh, were, were expecting. Red Bull? I give them a B. Uh, they they definitely got a lot better as the the, the year went on, and uh, obviously I think that um, time earlier in the year, when, up until about the Canadian Grand Prix in June, when they finally announced uh, around that time that they were going to switch to Honda engines for 2019 and beyond, was uh, it was a time of uncertainty. I, d- I don't know if, uh, how much that had to uh, figure into things that were happening on the track for Max Verstappen and Danny Ricardo. Ricardo, of course, he had a real tough run at the end of the year. What was it? Did he, what was it, seven or eight races in a row where he uh, retired uh, for for one problem or another? So it was nice to see uh, him get a bit of a, a good result there. He was uh, fourth at Abu Dhabi this past weekend. And, uh, well, he felt like, uh, or uh, Christian Horner 
senior team principal at Red Bull thought uh, he might have been able to, uh, to to win that race. He really extended his uh, first stint a lot longer than a lot of the other guys did. And I think that they were really hoping that uh, the threatened rain that uh, had been predicted and everybody was watching on the weather radars was really going to materialize more than a, f- a couple little spots here and there on a, a couple of parts of the circuit. But he, uh, I think they really expected at some point it was going to start raining and then uh, Ricardo would take that advantage. But uh, unfortunately, it just didn't um, work out for him. But he was able to stay um, on, on the same pace as the car or, or, or faster than the cars behind him, even as those tires got older and older and older. So he uh, had a very good race. And then uh, later on um, was able to take that position uh, from, from Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Bottas uh, had, a, had a terrible race and was gobbled up uh, by both of the Red Bulls and uh, went off the track a couple of times. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, <laughs> how much that was the pressure, how much was of the, the, the tires that he had but it was afterwards I think one of those races that kind of really summed up Botas's season in a, in a, a little two hour kind of um, microcosm if you want to call it that uh, a disappointing race to end what was a disappointing uh, season and then Ferrari I'm going to give them a C plus they they clearly they had the car but as time went on, they just uh, weren't able to de- de- deliver the results. And they, they let Sebastian Vettel down uh, a-, a couple of times uh, when he really needed his team to, to come through for him. So that's... Um a C plus maybe more for the, the the strategy and the 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 tactical side of the season rather than what the car did uh, itself. And then, uh, well, Mercedes, I'm going to give them an A, and not not an A plus. What they did this year was impressive, of course, a fifth consecutive uh, constructors championship and a fifth world title for uh, for Lewis Hamilton. But they weren't invincible. They they weren't as um, convincing in the in the first half of the season then of course the uh, the double dnf at uh, austria in the summer so it, it was those couple little things that kind of popped up here and there at the beginning of the the season really takes what uh, what was a, a very very good season and definitely worthy of an a uh, but uh, not quite worthy of a, of an a plus because uh, they weren't able to to get it uh, uh, completely perfect and completely flawless although uh, if they'd finished the year or sorry started the year like they finished then uh, well even though they won, they would have blown everybody out of the water completely. And yes, oh, just to, I, I did forget uh, just talking about Ross Braun a little earlier and uh, just uh, uh, about the, the the best of the rest um, guys, uh, teams in uh, in Formula One. And Ross said that it's uh, basically, it's, it's unacceptable at this point in time that uh, there's such a big gap in between the, the top teams and the, and the best of the rest. So of course, uh, next year, we're going to see these um, uh, new regulations come into effect that got pushed through earlier this year here uh, regarding the size and width of front and rear rings and brake ducts and, and barge boards and things like that, basically to reduce the arrow effect behind the car. So a, a car that's trailing is able to get closer and uh, by getting closer, they're hoping that the, there will be more overtaking. Uh, there's been some skeptic- uh, skepticism and some, some questions that have been floating around uh, for months and months and months. Some of the experts weighing in that even though they look good on paper, that perhaps they might not 
that's materialize it and have the effect that a lot of people are, are hoping them uh, to do or, or to have for next year. So we'll find out eventually. Uh, until now, it's uh, it, it's one side, one opinion uh, against uh, the other opinion. And uh, we'll just have to see it on the track for ourselves to see whether or not uh, it's actually going to work out or not. Anyways, I think that's a, a pretty good place to leave it for this week. Um, there's uh, still things to talk about. Uh, there's, uh, well, the news will dry up a, a, a little bit and we'll have a couple more shows. And then uh, typically what we do here over the winter is it becomes somewhat sporadic and occasional. But I think this year we're going to keep it going uh, a lot more uh, uh, frequently as, as often as possible. I've got some ideas and some topics uh, for some cool shows in between. We'll have a couple more shows uh, between now and the Christmas break. My other podcast, we always take a two to three weeks off about a, sometimes a little bit longer depending how much of a hibernation and time off uh, that we want but we usually close down middle of uh, December so we'll do the the same thing here but we'll, we'll be back again very soon and of course uh, before then we'll do a couple more podcasts so still plenty more to do and there's uh, plenty more things that uh, that I wanted to talk to uh, or talk to you guys about and uh, and Kevin does as well and uh, until then we'll leave it at that thank you so very much for downloading and listening to the show. If you want to help us grow, the easiest and best and most appreciated way is to share it with a friend or just go to Apple Podcasts or, or Google, the Google Play Store, wherever you, uh, or whichever platform you use to get your and consume your podcast, go over there and leave us a, a five-star review and, uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a rating. We would really appreciate it and it helps uh, more than you realize. Anyways, if you'd like to get in touch, if you have uh, some thoughts or some comments to share with us, send us an email at f one pod or tweet us sorry at scuderiaf one pod at gmail.com or tweet us at scuderiaf one pod and that's it that's a wrap we're out of here talk to you again very soon Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, SportsPodcastingNetwork.com. space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty, other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?